If you look in a Sefer Torah, you'll see the word Vayikra is written with a small aleph. Very unusual, Vayikra Hashem, Amosha Hashem calls Amosha, and the word Vayikra, the aleph at the end, is written much smaller than all the other letters. And the Balaturim explains to us why the aleph and Vayikra is written smaller. And that is because Hashem called out to Moshe Rabbeinu. But called out is a tremendous honor. <clears throat> After establishing the Mishkan, Hashem calls out to Moshe Rabbeinu to come forward and for him to now accept the divine revelation <clears throat> from the Mishkan. And Moshe Rabbeinu felt that that was too much honor. Vayikra, to call out as if I'm different than the rest of the Jewish nation, that's too much honor. And Moshe Benah said, no, I don't want to write the word Vayikra with an alpha on word, Vayikar. Just like when Hashem spoke to Bilam, it was Vayikar, just sort of casual, it was just a, an occurrence. As a matter of fact, Bilam was asleep. So Moshe Benah wanted to write the word Vayikar, that Hashem just appeared to Moshe, not that he called him out, because Vayikra with an alpha is too much honor. Hashem says, no, I want the Jewish nation to know that you are exceptional. I want the Jewish nation to know that I called you out, and Moshe Benah said, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to do it. Hashem said, do it. Moshe Benah said, fine, I'll do it, but under protest, I'll write it smaller. And the Balaturim explains to us, we see from here, the towering humility of Moshe Benu. He didn't want the honor. He didn't want him <coughs> to be known as Vayikra. He was called out. He wanted to be Vayikra. Just it happened. And when Hashem said, no, no, do it anyway, Hashem, Moshe Benah said, fine, but under protest, I'll write the letter small. And therefore, in the Sefer Torah, the Aleph is written smaller. And this Balaturim is quite interesting, but it doesn't sound like humility at all. A humble man listens to his Creator. Hashem said, write the word Vayikra. And Moshe said, no, I don't want to. Hashem said, do it anyway. Moshe said, okay, I'll do it, but my way, I'll do it small. A humble man obeys. A humble man listens. This does not sound like towering humility. If anything, it sounds like disobedience, saying Hashem how I'll do it, I'll do it my way. And his Balaturim is very difficult to understand. And I'd like to see if we could better understand, in fact, <clears throat> what the Balaturim is teaching us. And to do that, I'll share with you an observation. Chazal tell us that even a Sefer Torah in the Heichel <clears throat> requires a mazel. Some Sefer Torah read every week. Some Sefer Torah Monday and Thursday. Some Sefer Torah only on Rosh Chodesh. And you can have a Sefer Torah that would sit there in the Heichel and not be called out almost ever. Even a Sefer Torah needs a mazel. And in a similar way, I believe it's a little bit facetious to say, but even a mitzvah needs a mazel. <clears throat> there are certain mitzvahs that are very popular. Matzah on Pesach, Shofar on Rosh Hashanah, Lulav <clears throat> on Sukkot. No one would ever dream of not engaging in that mitzvah, discussing the mitzvah, being involved in it, because it's a huge part of the Yom Tov, a huge part of Avodah Hashem. There are certain mitzvahs, though, that are not quite as popular. There is a mitzvah say for one to work on one's midos. Not to have good character traits, and not to be kindly nice, but to improve them, to change them, to train myself to be humble, to train myself to be kindly, to train myself to be patient. To work on one's midos is considered, according to almost all the monia mitzvahs, a mitzvah say daraisa. And I believe that this is one of those mitzvahs that are not very popular. And I suspect a big part of the reason is because, gee golly, how do I do it? Listen, I have a temper. I wish I didn't, but I do. And I get angry. What can I, that's my nature. I get angry. I don't want to, but I, how could I change that? 
And the study of Midos is a huge part of the study of Musr, because understanding the Mida and understanding how it functions and understanding how you work on it requires a tremendous amount of learning, understanding, and recognizing the wisdom that Chazal gave us. However, even those people who are astute and work on their Midos and learn the systems through the Chazal, through the Musasvarim, I believe many, many people get stymied when they come to this Mida called humility. Arrogance. And its flip side, humility. And I'll sort of make it a little bit more clear. Let's imagine I'm a humble person. If my nature I'm humble, I'm humble. Very simple. But let's imagine for a moment the opposite. Imagine I wake up in the morning and I sincerely feel I am God's gift to humanity. I don't wish to feel that way. I don't want to. But listen, I just, I am. I'm great. I just am God's personal gift to the human race. Now here's the problem. How do I eradicate that feeling? I know the Torah says, don't do it. I know the Torah says, be humble. I understand it's a myth, but, but it's just a feeling in my heart. I feel great. I feel worthy of grandeur. I feel worthy of honor. What am I going to do? And I'd like to spend a little time on understanding the Mida of humility, its flip side, the Mida of arrogance, and see if we could better understand how one actually works on it. And to do that, I'll share with you an interesting Chazal. The Medrash tells us that when Hashem decided to create the world, He said to Malachim, I want your permission. I'm going to create Adam, but I want your permission to create him. The Malachim said, Matiba, what is the nature of this man that you want to create? Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Malachim, Chachmaso Merubame His wisdom, his intellect, his understanding is even greater than yours. And then Hashem said, I'll show you what I mean. Hashem brought forth each of the creations in front of Malachim. Hashem brought forth a sus, a chamor, a gamal. He brought forth all of the species, all of the animals, and He said to Malachim, Zu, this one, what is this called? This one, what is this called? This one, what is this called? And the Malachim couldn't answer. And then Hashem created Adam, and in front of the Malachim, Hashem said to Adam, this animal, what's its name? Zu Sus, Zu Chamor, Zu Shor. Each animal Adam named. But if you look in the Mepharshim and the Medrash, it wasn't just a label. We call an object with legs and a flat part a table. It's a label, a term of convenience that refers to, somehow identifies that object. What Adam Arishan was doing was defining the essence, the boundaries, the nature of the animal with one defining term. Zu Sus defines the essence of that animal, its nature, domesticated or wild, <coughs> predator or herbivore. It defined the nature, the essence, the boundaries. With one word, he defined each animal in creation. What Hashem was showing the Malachim was, as brilliant as they were, as understanding as they were about creation, they knew nothing compared to other Marishan. Imagine swallowing the entire Wikipedia. Imagine swallowing all that information. When Adam Arishon opened his eyes, he was the handcraft of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Hashem implanted within him wisdom of a profound nature. He understood creation. He understood the animals. He understood the species. He understood the plants. He understood the world at a level that's hard to envision, hard to imagine. And the Malachim were astounded by his wisdom. 
And then Hashem said, you, what should we call you? It says, Adam, me, Roy Likros Adam. Adam Anutzarti. Me, I should be called Adam, because I come from the dirt. Call me dirt. Vali, me, Hashem says, what should we call me? <clears throat> Adam says, Roy Lecha Adoshem, because Ata Adon, I call you, are the master of everything. And with this, the Medrash shows us the great wisdom of Adam Rishon, defining the essence of each animal, showing such brilliance, and the Medrash leaves us. And I'd like to ask the obvious question on this Medrash. Zushor, Zuchamor, Zugamal, I get. This is a horse, and this is a cow, this is a donkey, I got it. But Hashem said, you, what should we call you? Call me Adama, call me dirt, call me Adam because I come from the dirt. That sounds like a grave misdefinition. Number one, he is the greatest creation ever. It may be true that he comes from dirt, but the greatness of the human is his wisdom, his capacity. Imagine you ask me my name, and I look inside and I say, my, my name, my name is, oh, uh, uh, Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren. Meaning the casing, the lower part of man is the body that he occupies. The greatness of man is not the body. The greatness of man is his wisdom, his neshama, who he is. Why is he looking at the label of his clothes? Adama, call me dirt. Call me dirt because I come from the dirt. Number one, it's a very poor definition of him because it's his body and certainly not the essence of him. And number two, it doesn't sound very accurate. If you'd like to understand how inaccurate it is, let's focus on one concept. Chazal tells us that before Hashem created Adam, Hashem created everything. Everything in creation, the celestial beings, the planets, all of the species of animals, everything in the world had to be set. Why? Because much like when one invites a guest to a banquet, first one prepares a meal, and then he sets the table, and then he prepares the wine, and when everything is set, then he invites in his guest. Adam was the reason for creation. Adam was the reason behind everything, and Hashem created everything first, everything in its place, everything prepared for the guest of honor. When Adam opened his eyes, it was with an understanding that he is the reason for creation. Everything in creation was made for him. Everything in creation was made to serve him or for him to use. And if you'd like to understand quite Adam's pivotal role in creation, let's focus on a chazal that the Mesut Sharm emphasizes greatly. The Medrash tells us that Hashem takes Adam and shows him all of the beauty of Gan Eden. Beautiful trees, everything prepared, everything ready. And then Hashem says to Adam, Pay attention that you don't destroy my world. Now, I'd like to ask the obvious question. What does that mean? Does that mean like, Adam, don't take an axe and chop down the trees. Don't, uh, you know, don't light fires because you're going to create forest fires and burn down the, the, the woods. Uh-uh. Chazal explained to us that every physical manifestation in this world has a spiritual underpinning. Anything in the physical world is based on, supported by its spiritual underpinning. And what Hashem was saying to Adam Rishon is, you are the purpose and the reason for everything in creation. If you use it properly, if you use it for its intended purpose, it will be elevated, it will be holy, it will be nourished, it will be sustained. If you misuse the world, you will destroy its spiritual underpinnings and the world itself will crumble. What Hashem was doing was 
giving the keys of my sabracious to Adam. It's your world. I created it for you. It's in your hands. You are the steward of creation, but not for ecology purposes and not to protect the whales because the spiritual underpinnings of everything in creation keeps the physical world in existence. And when Adam sinned, he destroyed the world. He wrecked it. He ruined it. Death was not supposed to exist. Work was not supposed to exist. What Adam did in one fell swoop was change the very fabric, the very nature of all of creation. Because when Hashem created man and put him into that role, he was the pivot point of everything. So here's the point. Adam Rishon opens his eyes with a wisdom that's unfathomable, far exceeding the Malachim. And he understands that he is the reason for creation. And he understands that every Malach pales in comparison to him. And he also sees that every physical creature bows in humility to him. He gets it. He's the reason for creation, the purpose of the creation, the center of creation. What should we call you? Call me dirt. We call you dirt. You're not dirt. You're the reason for creation. You're the center of creation. How could Adamarishan be so far off? And to understand, in fact, what Adamarishan was saying and what this medrus is explaining to us, I believe we need to understand a little bit better what this humility concept is and what, in fact, a person is supposed to look at and understand when he views himself in the world. And let's first begin with a definition of arrogance and a definition of humility. Mesut Sharm defines for us, he says, Humility is an understanding, Asher ein hatehilav akavod ro'ilo. Honor and praise are not due to me. Honor is not due to me. Praise is not due to me. That simple understanding that I'm not worthy of praise, I'm not worthy of honor, and kol shikain, and surely I'm not worthy to be elevated above other people. I'm not better than you. I'm not above you. I'm just a regular person. Not worthy of praise, not worthy of honor, and certainly not above you. And that is the definition of humility, a thought, an understanding, a perspective that I'm not due honor, I'm not due glory. Now, let's understand how Adam Rishon could possibly think that. What do you mean he's not worthy of praise? Every malach stands in awe. Every animal stands in trepidation. Every animal literally was shaking in fear from Adam Rishon. When we, Adam was makalkel, he changed the world. Animals no longer fear us the way they were supposed to. But at that moment they did. What do you mean he's not worthy of honor? What do you mean he's not worthy of praise? And the answer really is quite simple. Let's imagine for a moment that I occupy a body. Okay, I occupy this body. Do I know how to create a liver, a pancreas, the lungs? And do I know how to shape the neurons in my brain? Let's imagine for a minute I have great dexterity, and I'm a fantastic piano player. Do I know how to shape the 48 muscles in the forearm that control the fingers? And more than that, I have a sense of touch. I can feel the difference between rough and smooth, hot and cold, wet and dry. Do I know how to create the neuron pathways? And do I know how to create the sensitive nerve endings? I am the occupant of this body. And this body might have tremendous, tremendous capacity, but I am not the creator 
of this body. Imagine for a moment I'm very articulate and I speak brilliantly and flow of words of consciousness is amazing. And then Rahman al I get Bell's palsy and suddenly the articulate, well-spoken eye isn't because it only takes slight neurological damage for the great human being to no longer be so capable, so facile. And this is the point. I occupy a body. This body is fantastic. There are gifts. There are tremendous, tremendous capacities. But I am not the maker of this body. If I'm well-spoken, that's wonderful. I didn't weave the neurons in the brain. I don't know how to shape the tongue. I don't know how to make the vocal cords. I may be the occupant of this body, but I am not the creator of this body. And when a human being understands that, he begins to understand things a little bit differently. I see things, but I don't rightly know how to create a pupil. I don't rightly know how to shape the lens of an eye. I don't know how to make the optic nerve. I don't know how to make the retina in the back of the eye receive the light translate it into electrical impulses, send it along the optical nerve, I open my eyes and I see. I'm gifted with tremendous, tremendous blessings. I'm gifted with tremendous talents, tremendous abilities. But I'm gifted with them. I didn't make my eyes, I didn't make my lungs, didn't make my chest, didn't make my head, and I certainly did not make my brain. And when you understand this, you understand a very, very simple concept. I am not worthy of praise. But I did great things. I accomplished wonderful things. I am the occupant of this body, gifted with tremendous talents and ability, and with those I did things. But I am but the recipient of all of those gifts I'm on the receiving end. And if you'd like to thoroughly understand this concept, I'll give you a very simple muscle. Imagine you look out at a very large construction site. And in the center of the site, you see this huge crane. This crane picks up tons and tons of dirt, rocks, moving it. Scoop after scoop, tons and tons of weight. And you notice that the crane operator, sitting behind here, chain-smoking, paunch, quite a large pot belly. And one of his friends comes over to him and says, Joe, look at you. 100 pounds overweight, chain-smoking, two packs a day. Joe, you got to get to the gym and work out. Joe looks at his friend and says, me work out? You know what I do all day? I lift heavy loads, tons and tons of dirt, rocks all day long. I'm lifting all day long. I don't got to go to the gym workout. That's what I do all day. Joe, that's not you. You're the crane operator. The crane is lifting heavy loads. You're the little guy operating the levers. And that is a balanced sense of self. When I walk in the room, I have to understand I am the occupant of this body. Hashem gifted me with His body, and His body was created in the image of Hashem, and His body has tremendous talents. So I'm worthy of honor? Not exactly. I'm a little guy inside. I didn't weave the neurons of the brain. I didn't make the vocal cords. I didn't make the hands. I didn't make the legs. I'm the guy inside. I operate a mighty and huge crane. What this crane can accomplish is amazing. It's astonishing. But at the end of the day, I'm but that little guy inside who makes the levers move, who makes the arms move, but I'm not the creator. So am I worthy of honor? I may accomplish great things. And this crane may do fantastic things, but I'm but that little guy inside. I'm but the little operator. And this balanced sense of self is something that requires a tremendous, tremendous amount of work. Most people fundamentally misunderstand humility. 
if you are a very wealthy person and you say, I'm poor, that's not humility. If your name is Bill Gates and you say, you know, I'm a, I'm a pauper, that's not called humility, that's called stupidity. If your name is Ramosha Feinstein and you say, I don't know how to learn, that's not called humility. Being realistic to your talents, your abilities, is one of the very basics. As a matter of fact, the Chofos of Lovos explains something called Shifla Sa'adam. If you don't recognize your talents, if you don't recognize your capacity, if you don't recognize your abilities, you're not a humble man. You're a foolish man. That's called self-debasement. It's not humility. Humility comes after you recognize your strength, your abilities, your talents, and then you say to yourself, okay, I was gifted talent unknown from God, talent given to me. What I do with this, I'm credited, but at the end of the day, I didn't make the crane. The crane may lift heavy, heavy loads. Look what it accomplishes. But at the end of the day, I'm the little guy inside. I'm not worthy of praise. I'm not worthy of honor. But listen to my brilliant speech. I didn't make the brain. If I was gifted with a better brain than someone else, it's not because I'm better than him. If I was gifted with more talent, that's because Hashem gave it to me. I'm using it. But I'm but that little guy inside operating this mighty, powerful crane. And I believe that's why Adam Rishon said, Li Roy Likros Adam, Kimina Domanotsarti. Because as great as Adam Rishon was, and as pivotal as he was to the entire creation, he understood that he as well is but a creation. Hashem is the creator, he is the creation. And when he opened his eyes, he understood his gifts, his powers, his tremendous, tremendous importance. But he also recognized that it was all gifted to him. What honor and praise is coming to me? Nothing. I was put into this position with a mighty and huge responsibility, tremendous capacity. But how much honor, how much praise comes to me? Nothing. I'm the little guy inside. I didn't make the brain, didn't make the arms, didn't make the legs, didn't make the head. I was gifted with this. And what Adam Rishon was doing was defining humility. It is true. I have tremendous, tremendous capacity. But I am worthy to be called Adam so that I keep my sense of self, so that I don't become arrogant. And if you'd like to understand Moshe Rabbeinu, I believe that's exactly what was happening here. Moshe Rabbeinu was an extraordinarily humble man, but he was also gifted with that position, the single human being to go up to Shemayim. The single human being who was to be the Sar HaTorah, the master of Torah, and with that comes a great responsibility, and with that comes great opportunity. And when Hashem was saying to Moshe, it's your Torah, write it. And Moshe said, I don't want that honor. Hashem said, write the Vayikra with an Aleph. No, it's too much honor, I don't want it. And Moshe Reino understood his position. He understood that yes, he was a creation, but he was not just a scribe, he was the one to give the Torah, the one to understand the Torah. And with that understanding, what Moshe Rabbeinu did was, he put down the word Vayikra with a small aleph, because I don't want that honor. And this capacity to have a balanced sense of self, understanding how much I could accomplish, understanding my capacity, and yet remaining humble, is something that requires a tremendous, tremendous amount of work. The balance really is quite simple. I am the creation. Hashem is the creator. I'm the one inside and creating that very fine balance and keeping it is something that requires a lot of work. Typically, people fall to one side or the other. And they look at themselves as dirt, and they feel they're very humble, but they're not humble. That's called shiftless autumn. 
or they look at themselves of, I'm great, worthy of honor, and they're arrogant. And both are false. This understanding, I have talents, abilities, capacity, but I wasn't the one who created them. Getting that balance is, again, the most difficult job, and that, in fact, is the most difficult gift the person is gifted with. And understanding that balance requires a tremendous amount of work. And because it does require so much work, I want to spend a few more moments on this concept. Imagine you have a teenager, and you give him the keys to the car. And he gets behind the wheel of the car, and he starts driving fast. Wow, I'm so powerful. Look at this. Wow, I'm flying 70 miles an hour. Look at me. That is delusional. He's not fast. He's not quick. He's pressing the gas and it makes the car go. The car is very fast. He is but the driver. And that balance is exactly the balance that's very, very difficult to attain. You see, I have to recognize my talents, my strengths, my abilities. I have to recognize what Hashem gifted me with. And I have to recognize that I'm the little guy inside. And living with that balance allows a person to fully recognize his strengths, recognize his capacities, and yet not be arrogant. Recognize that honor and glory is not due to me. Praise is not due to me. And surely I'm no better than anyone else. Do I know where he's coming from? Do I know his strengths, his talents? Do I know how far he's gone? But again, it requires a tremendous amount of work. However, where things get really difficult is when you actually accomplish something. Let's imagine for a minute that you built an industry. You started from scratch and you built a business and it built and it built. And before you know it, you have 2,000 employees. You're the founder, the creator. Surely there, credit is due to me. Surely there, it's my handiwork. Look what I've built. Look what I've accomplished. And you have people who've accomplished tremendous things. You have people who've built organizations. One of my favorite examples, Mike Rothschild created the Chavetz Chaim Heritage Center. And there are 50 employees who spend their entire day just teaching, getting the word out about Lashon Hara, and he's changed the nation in a very real way. Surely their credit is due to him. That entire organization only exists because of him. What if someone starts Atzala? What if someone starts Chaverim? What if someone starts a huge, huge organization? Surely then credit is due to them. Surely then they're worthy of praise and honor. However, if you'd like to understand how a person could stay humble, despite recognizing what they've accomplished, I'll give you a very simple muscle. The words were said by Neil Armstrong when he landed on the moon. They were actually scripted. He didn't write the words, but he said them, and he said them very, very powerfully. He said the words, it is a small step for man, a huge step for mankind. And with those words, he put the hallmark, put the phrase of the generation, he had accomplished something astonishing, he had walked on the moon, came back and told the tale of it. Now imagine that after Neil Armstrong comes back, imagine that there's a famous group of people come together and have a dinner in his honor, and the MC is about to introduce Neil Armstrong, and he introduces the hundreds of people listening, he says, ladies and gentlemen, Generations of men dreamt about walking on the moon. Generations of men dreamt about flying to the moon, and no one could do it. No one could accomplish. In front of us, we have the one human being who did it. 
the one human being out of thousands, after hundreds of years, after hundreds of attempts, the one human being who actually did it, we have the great Neil Armstrong, who alone did that which no one else can do, he walked on the moon. And Neil Armstrong gets up to the podium. I have to imagine that Neil Armstrong would have a little problem, because, you see, it is true that he walked on the moon, but it's also true that he doesn't know that much about meteorology, about the difference between titanium and aluminum, about the various types of composites that are needed to make sure that the re-entry doesn't cause his entire space capsule to explode in flame. He doesn't really know that much about writing the computer code for guiding the ship. He doesn't really know that much about rocket propulsion. Neil Armstrong is the fellow who actually was inside the capsule. He's the one who actually landed on the moon, but it took a generation of men built on generations before that and built on wisdom of generations before that. All of it came together. What he did was he flew that capsule. And in a sense, he's credited with being the first man to walk on the moon. But he's not the one who did it. Yes, he did it, he accomplished it, but it's with legions and legions of people. And any accomplishment that any human being does, if he has a sense of arrogance, I take credit for it. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. And if a person has some sense in his head, he looks around and says, how many hundreds of people aided me? How many thousands of people came to my assistance? I don't know how to make printers. I don't know how to make buildings. I don't know how to make floors. I don't know how to make lights. Yes, it's true. I gathered it together. And in a sense, I'm credited with it. But it's a group effort. It's a legion of people together. I can't build buildings. I don't know how to make paper. And any human being who accomplished anything has a choice. He takes credit for it. I and I alone, the great me or he recognizes that it's sheker, it's a lie. Yes, I made choices, and those correct choices I'm credited with, but it's with hundreds of people, many, many assistants, and tremendous, tremendous help. But what happens when you accomplish in learning? There things get really difficult. You see, it was my choice to sit and learn, my choice to work on my midos, my choice not to speak Lashon Imagine your name is Rabbi Sal Salanta, and it was well known that Rabbi Salanta knew Shas with Tosas Balpeh at a stage in his life, and Svarim weren't really needed any longer. What if that's the level you reach? Surely then it's a credit to you. Surely then you're worthy of honor, you're worthy of praise. And I'd like to share with you one tefillah that we say every day. And right after the brachas, we say a string of 16 brachas, thanking Hashem for everything that He's gifted us with, and then we say, Hashem, it should be a will in front of you. You should accustom our, our tongue to Torah. And let us cling to your mitzvahs. Don't bring us to sin. Don't bring us to Avera and, and, and tests. And don't bring us to embarrassment. Don't allow the Yetzirah to be sholei, to rule over us. And separate us from bad people and from bad friends. Allow us to cling to the Yetzirah Tov. Now wait a minute. I thought that's the part of man. I thought man's decisions, man's choosing, man's deciding to learn, man's deciding to listen to the Yetzirah that's what he's credited with. That's all he could accomplish. Everything that a human being does, it's only his Yerushamayim that's really within his capacity to control. Why are we asking Hashem for help in that? I should ask Hashem help with the success, with the outcome, but certainly not the decisions, certainly not winning the fight against the Yetzirah. And if you understand life, what you begin to understand very quickly is 
that a human being left at his own devices will fail miserably. And we live in very dark, dark clouds. And we don't realize how much Hashem helps us day after day, minute after minute. The fact that I learned, the fact that I can learn, the fact that I have good friends and not bad friends, the fact that I can daven and concentrate. Hashem is constantly there aiding and helping. And that part which I think is me, the Yerushalayim part, that part itself Hashem has tremendous, tremendous involvement in. And when you begin to open your eyes, what you realize is praise and honor are not due to me. But do you understand why? Because Hashem helps me with everything. My learning, my dominating, my, anything that I've accomplished. Hashem was there aiding me, abetting me. Number one, I am not the creator of His body. Not the creator of His mind. Certainly not the writer of the Torah. But I said a brilliant sheer. It's not my Torah. But more than that, every step of the way Hashem was there helping, guiding, and aiding me. How much praise is due to me? Very, very little. So there's no reward in the world to come? No. That's a special chesed. Hashem counts your accomplishments. And much like Joe, the crane operator, when he lifts that heavy load, he is credited with lifting those rocks. What did he really do? He really moved the levers. But I operate this crane. This crane is huge. And if I accomplish things in the world to come, I'm credited with all of those accomplishments. This huge crane, this mind, this tongue, these accomplishments are all me. So you mean I'm worthy of praise or not? No. I'm a little guy inside. It's a special chesed Hashem. Hashem gifted me with this, gave this to me, allows me to be credited with it. Even though I've accomplished nothing, I get all the reward for it. I'm that little guy inside operating the levers. I'm given credit for everything that I accomplish. And this balance is the balance of a humble man. A humble man is realistic. A humble man knows his strength, knows his capacity, sets his sights very, very high. A humble man wakes up in the morning, looks in the mirror, and says, what did Hashem gift me with? What does Hashem expect from me? I could accomplish more, I could do more. There's so much greatness within me. But he doesn't have a sense of arrogance. Why? Because I was gifted with all of this. My brain, my arms, my head, my legs, my opportunities. Hashem gifted me. I'm that little guy inside, but I sure am going to charge forward. This crane is huge. What this crane can accomplish is beyond belief. And I'm going to charge forward and do change the world. And if I do that, I'm credited with it as if I did it, all the while knowing that I've done nothing. What Moshe Rabbeinu was doing was defining humility. I was given the opportunity to be the one to write the Torah. It's too much honor, I don't want it. What he did with that exact expression was say to Hashem, Hashem, you gave me the strength, you gave me the capacity, you put me into this pivotal role, I don't want the honor. When Adam Marishan was put into creation, he opened his eyes with a brilliance and understanding, the Malachim was astonished, staggering brilliance. And yet Adam said, Li, Roy, Likros, Adam, Kimira, Dhammanotsate, I was made from the dirt. Why? Because I understood this mighty, powerful crane, but I'm the little guy inside. I'm not Ralph Lauren. But if I stay focused on that, I don't become arrogant, I don't become inflated. I recognize that Hashem gifted me with all of this. I recognize my strengths, my talents, but it's not a credit to me. And this balance requires a tremendous amount of work. Because if a person looks at himself and says, I'm dirt, I'm nothing, then he'll live up to exactly that self-prophecy. On the other hand, if a person says, look, I'm worthy of honor and praise, you become arrogant and a pompous buffoon. The balance of recognizing that I was gifted with so much talent, and so much ability, I could change the very world I live in, and yet I'm but that little guy inside, 
That is the proper balance. That's what Moshe Benu had, and so the other Mauritian had, and that's what we're challenged with. And this perspective allows us to recognize our strengths and recognize our talents, and yet be humble. And I would like to close with one last observation. For seven days, Moshe Benu fought with Hashem. Hashem offered Moshe Benu the greatest position ever given to a man. Not only was Moshe Benu supposed to be the one to save the Jewish nation, to take them out of bondage. Hashem said to Moshe, you are to be the leader of the Jewish nation. You are to be the one to accept the Torah. You are to be the one to go for 40 days and 40 nights without food, without drink, to learn the entire Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu was granted the greatest gift, the greatest position ever offered to any human being. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, I don't want it. And for seven days he fought. Choose Aaron, and my brother, my older brother is entitled to I shouldn't be. And finally, after seven days, Hashem is upset with Moshe, Charon Af, whatever that means. And finally, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Shalach biad tishlach, send it to somebody else. And look at the Ramban on those words. The Ramban says, There is no man more worth, there is no human being alive who isn't more worthy for this position than I. What Moshe Rabbeinu was saying was, I am the least suited for this role. Choose anyone else. Of all the people in the world, I am the least suited. Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble man ever. But Ish Moshe Adama, and Moshe Rabbeinu was more humble than any other human being who ever lived. And let's pay attention to the very final Pasuk in Chumash. The very final, final Pasuk in Chumash and Chumash is ending, and Dvarim explains, Lokam Kemosha Od, there'll never be a Novi like Moshe, never be a man of that stature, of that greatness. And then it says, all of the power, the might. And not only was Moshe Benu the greatest Novi, not only did he take the Jewish nation out of Mitzrayim, and not only did he show Paro the strength and the glory of Hashem, look what he did, to the eyes of all Yisrael. And Rashi explains what that means. Le'ene ko Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu took the luchos and broke them. When Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, and B'nai Yisrael were involved in the Chet Egel, whatever that means, and he saw that this nation and these luchos were not going together. And he took the luchos and he smashed them. He broke them. He did that le'ene ko Yisrael, the greatest act. And after he did it, Hashem said, Yashakoach, Yafa Sheshibarta, what you did was right. Now let's focus on what that means. Moshe Rabbeinu took the holiest object in creation and destroyed it. Imagine that you have a rov in a shul, and the rov stands up and says, This Lashon Hara is terrible, it's terrific. I'm going to close the shul if you don't stop speaking Lashon Hara. Say to him, maybe an overreaction, I don't know. But what if the rov said, That's it, I'm done? And he torches, he burns down the building. There's too much Lashon, he burns down the building. You say, come on, uh, Rabbi, with all due respect, that's not exactly appropriate. Moshe Menu did not torch a building. He took the holiest object in creation and broke it, destroyed it. It wasn't his. It's Hashem's. Hashem's luchos. You don't want to give it? Give it back to your Creator. What right do you have to break them? And by the way, did he know he was absolutely correct? Hashem afterwards said, you did good. Would you like to understand what was happening? Moshe Rabbeinu saw the Bnei Yisrael, 
and saw the Luchos and understood that the moment was in his power. You see, if this Luchos, these Luchos remained, there was a covenant, the entire Jewish nation had to be destroyed. By breaking the Luchos, it was a shock therapy, he broke the covenant, and he woke up the Jewish nation, and no longer were they bound to what they had originally been, and he changed the course of history. But he understood that he was that man. He was given the power, he was given the responsibility, and in front of the entire Jewish nation, he took the holiest object in creation, smashed it, broke it, and Hashem said, you did well. The power, the absolute brazenness, and the absolute standing up in front of a nation and smashing the holiest object in creation is not the act of a humble man until you understand humility. Humility means you recognize your strength, your talent, but you're not arrogant because of it. Moshe understood that he was the man. He was given the power and the decision of what will be the future of the Jewish nation, whether it will be as the, as it is or it won't be, is up to him. And in that moment, he took the luchos, took the most brazen act, stood forward and smashed them, and what the Torah is telling us is that was his moment of glory. His decision, his power, his strength to stand up to an entire nation and stop it, and that was the glory of the man. But that man is also the most humble man ever created. That dichotomy, understanding my position, understanding my opportunity, and yet remaining humble, and that's something that Moshe may have reached to the highest level, but that's something that we're all charged with, and we're all given the opportunity to recognize my strengths, recognize my abilities, and yet recognize that it's all gifted from Hashem. I'm but that little guy inside. I'm given this mighty crane, but how much credit comes to me? Nothing, and certainly I'm no greater than any other human being.